listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. What on earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Cero miedo! Because the Warhorse will fight until he brings his last breath! I got the whole damn world in my hands! Your arms are just too short to box with God! You just made the list! But the man is back! Daddy's home! Ricky ain't about just taking titles, I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprise! No thing, no company, no entity, all pro wrestling. No more questions about that damn What's up, everybody? We are back. This is Journey into Wrestling. I am Nate. This is Season 5, Episode 2. Today, joining me, as always, is one of the absolute greatest people in the world. You guys know him and love him, and he might even be in a Slim Jim commercial. <laughs> Welcome back yet again, Buckles. How's it going, bro? I, I am doing well, man. Uh refreshed ready for a first podcast weekly now you know we got a one week turnaround so a little bit uh, a little hotter coverage i am ready to go yeah it's cool to have this because we can i don't know how to say this but it's like interestingly enough when you joined the show wrestling exploded and we've had such a gigantic um growth in not just indie wrestling but in bigger promotions being able to find a market Promotions that maybe have been forgotten about being able to uh, breathe new breath to the audience. And then, of course, with Corona happening, there's quite a level playing field because nobody's gaining capital from Mm -hmm. people coming to the arenas to see the shows. So we're in this amazing time. It feels like we might as well just cover week to week, really rock and roll. And that'll shorten our episodes up a little bit, too. Last week, we went a little bit long. It was our debut episode of the season, so I think that had something to do with it. But, man, today... We're back. We've got some stuff to dive into. There's WWE yep. news, AEW news, indie news. There was a humongous event called The Collective that Buckles is going to be diving into. <laughs> We've got a You've Got the Book segment. And Buckles, I'm just going to throw it right to you right well, now. Let's get down I, to it. What headlines are we talking well, hold about? Hold on. Before we hit the headlines, I have to do something really quickly. I just had to like bite my fist to stop from laughing. Uh, sure. Pull back the curtain for just a split second here. Um, you know, we're live here. We're live, pal. 
I've got my uh, my tablet up here with my notes on it, and I keep my I keep track of everything. Pal. I love that reference. There Fuck you go. Yeah. So, um, as I've got my notes up here, we have a dedicated uh, JICN uh, group chat. All the different hosts and everybody that's associated with the network chatting back and forth. And there's a conversation going on there now as we're recording this. And as I'm looking over at my notes, I just got an alert from a mess for a message from one Brandon Stone, uh, co-host of the Journey into Comics podcast, and. All it said, and I had to stop myself from laughing, this is, I just heard the Proud Boys referenced as Y'all Kata. I had to stop myself. Like, you're doing the intro, I'm going, oh my God, I can't laugh. I can't laugh. (laughs) So, shout out to Brandon. Thank you for that. I had to pull back the curtain for a minute there because otherwise I was going to bust up laughing no matter what I said. So... Thanks, Brando. That's amazing. We love his... He's been... Man, he's been blowing up that chat. Uh, yes, and saying some yes. really funny shit. So, uh, yeah. uh, we so yeah, might reveal in, that later at a later time. But anyways, oh God. yeah, get let's into, get into he- it, my dude. Get into headlines. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a, a little bit of a choice here first. Do you want to hit the good? or Do you want to hit the bad first? You know what? It's 2020. Let's lead off with the bad first. <laughs> so you want to talk WWE? Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, let's go um, to WWE because there's a lot of uh, listen. WWE yeah. had so many negative headlines this week. I thought they were the White House. Well, like it, it's it's not even with WWE right now, and this is from week to week, the, from our last show to this show. The big event in WWE was the draft. Started from last oh, yeah. Friday, continued last night, and really, it's just this this collective sigh because it should be something you you care about, and then it just is this resounding thud. But they mishandle it so badly every year, and they well, like, are what's the word I'm looking for, dude. I, I, they cons- they're cor- consistent in their terribleness. Is what I can think of. Their movement is so obvious. They're so choreographed in their decision making. <sighs> yeah, it's that it almost hurts. And it's funny because with the night one of the draft, and and, and obviously I'm sure we're going to cover who went where or a little bit of that. We don't have to cover everybody if you don't want to, but because it's kind of obvious where people went because they didn't let feuds die, which is kind of the point I'm making here. Yeah, that really the big thing was. It was it was kind of hard to get excited for it after the first like ten minutes because there was no point in getting excited. There's nothing. Because they changing. just switched colors. That's all yeah, they did. The like, shows are fucking the same. They they moved uh, one of the big shock picks was they moved Seth Rollins over to SmackDown. Oh, big! That's a big deal, right? That's a huge thing. Until I'm thinking, you well, know, maybe they're finally going to end this Rey Mysterio feud. Well, no, we're going to move the entire Mysterio clan and Buddy Murphy to SmackDown. But we can't draft the whole New Day to fucking Raw. That was, honestly, the New Day thing was the only, like, interesting thing about the draft. It was the only, like, noteworthy headline to come out of it because it was the only thing that was interesting. It was the only thing that was new. It was the only thing that was, like, dramatic at all. The rest of it's just a change of hats. Like, okay, you're going to have Seth on SmackDown. Okay, that's something, I guess. Or you're going to have The Fiend on Raw. Okay, well, we moved Alexa Bliss over, too, so they continue that. Okay, uh, you're moving... They uh, also moved Braun, though. Yeah, they moved Braun. But Braun was on, has been on Raw for the last three weeks anyway. Or we're going to move <laughs> Kevin Owens over there. Well, okay, we're going to get some new feuds, right? No, we're going to move Aleister Black over there, too. We're just porting that over. The only feud that really got broken up at all was uh, moving, the, uh, moving Apollo Crews over to SmackDown and the Hurt Business staying on Raw. That's it. Everything else is pretty much just like 
not completely status quo. You got guys like Styles moving over, but even so, he moved over with Jeff Hardy, who he's feuding with. Big whoop. Also, can I say how depressing it is that Alistair Black wasn't drafted till as late as he was? Like, what the fuck? Did, Why do the, they think so some low of, of the, him? Some of the picks on the draft. Can you give me any any cognizant reason why Andrade was not drafted yet Tazawa was? No, that or, just, or my head just like why they had a televised where they have to they have to draft somebody like uh, like like a uh, Alistair Black or not not I shouldn't say Alistair Black but Zelina Vega who just got a title shot um, got drafted on a on a supplemental thing on like uh, Talking Smack or something but they have a televised pick for Titus O'Neil. Really, Lana is a draft pick. Man, it's so weird. Like it's 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 a mess. It really is, and like it kind of ruined the whole show because halfway through you just stop caring. Okay, how about this? Let's play a little little. Just we don't have to put too much thought in it. We're gonna do five each. I want you to take raw. Wait, wait. Which show do you prefer? Uh, truthfully, SmackDown because it's shorter. Okay, <laughs> fucking okay. So you get SmackDown and sure. first pick. So we're going to just right now, doesn't matter who's on the Raw or SmackDown rosters, right now we're going to redraft just between you and me and try to make it a little bit first better. First five picks. You yeah. go first. Sure. Uh, first pick, I'm going Roman Reigns just because he's moving the most money for you. He's got the okay, best heel character so, and he's moving the most money. So did Roman get moved over to Raw? Nope, he did not. He stayed on SmackDown. So you are keeping him on SD. So Correct. Team SD is Reigns bound. And I'm actually going to take from what they actually did, and I'm going to – I'm going to draft the Fiend number one, Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm. for Raw. I think that's a brilliant move, having him on Raw. Bringing the, the Fiend's brand of darkness to that show could help their ratings substantially, considering he's been mm-hmm. an amazing factor in SmackDown's success. So it's your pick now, my friend. Um, if we're taking titles out of the uh, out of the contention, at least. Yeah, it doesn't. they don't really matter. Yeah, titles I mean, don't matter. I'm taking really uh, You've got the best, uh, the best heel character in Reigns. I'm taking the best heel care or the best face character in Drew McIntyre. Oh, okay, amazing. So then you can have feuds with those guys. So you've got mm-hmm. the Fiend over there. Uh, I am going to, huh? You know what? I'm going to draft Kofi Kingston by himself. Okay. To Raw, former WWE champion. Why is he not getting more praise? Yep. Um, third pick, I would say I'd take Owens. Somebody that can K-O. play heel, heel or a face at top level. Nice. Okay, so Monday Night Raw. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and draft Sasha Banks. That's top lady I, talent. We need ladies. I was going to say uh, I was going to say Oscar next. So yeah, Oscar be number four. Tit for tat. There, nice. I'll take. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Alistar Black as my fourth pick. Valid choice, absolutely valid choice. As long as you're pushing him out, hell yeah. I think he's got a great story, and he could feud with literally anybody I've listed so far that I've drafted. Um, for fifth pick, uh, I'm thinking tag team, but considering there's only like two left, it doesn't really matter. So I would actually take uh, Ali. Oh, does that mean you would bring retribution? Uh, if it was required, sure. If not, I don't mind it. I would have him pushed as a babyface if the booking was up to me. So, okay, so I, you that's, would totally honestly, reroute that's baby- him. And for actually, that's that'd be an interesting story because 
if right now he got drafted to SmackDown and pulled away from Retribution, what would happen? <laughs> You'd have the same Retribution he had two weeks ago that nobody cared about. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, um, yeah, I, I'd honestly, I would push. Uh, I would probably push Ali as your top babyface, even with McIntyre on the roster. I would still probably push the feud of uh, Ali and Reigns. And I'm going to go ahead and, as my final pick for number five, do something that didn't happen that probably should have happened. It's call up time, baby. Johnny Gargano is coming up to Monday Night Raw. We need. His I don't. Blood. I don't hate we it. Need his anger. I don't hate it at all. Yeah. Um, in a I perfect think that world, in and of itself, yeah. at least for Raw, is more interesting than what right. Raw did. Well, I mean, like the whole reason, the whole conceit of him not being on Raw right now is that supposedly he said he never wants to get called up. Like he wants to stay an NXT lifer. Which totally. can, a can you blame him? <laughs> no, you can't because anybody that gets called up gets buried, Alistair. Brock. Right, <clears throat> right. But I mean, if you're just looking at purely what he could bring to a show, yeah, he's a great character. He can play a babyface or a great heel, obviously. So I mean, I, I don't hate that pick at all. But the thing so is, sweet. like, you're picking right now. We're picking for what we would like to see as suits, and that's all new shit. I'd lo- I mean, that's the whole genesis of me picking Ali. I can see Ali as a babyface feuding with any one of those other top three. Owens, uh, McIntyre, or Reigns. Yes. Um, with believable stories for all three. Absolutely. Absolutely. God, and, could you uh, imagine, yeah. like, a violent, aggressive Roman Reigns versus a very babyface over Ali, where mm-hmm. Ali won't quit, and he just keeps getting up? <laughs> you know, where Jay Uso couldn't get up, Ali does. Man. <laughs> Here, you want to know my, my dark horse, my, my one pick that if I had any power in the world, whatever show got Seth Rollins, let's say he stays on Raw, with the sure. last pick in the draft, I pick Chris fucking Dickinson. Let him come over and just fuck, uh, fuck uh, Seth Rollins up for like 10 minutes and leave. Okay. <laughs> cool. So you're calling an indie guy up. Yeah. That'd be my dream man, pick. It's your but... time. Oh God. Um. But yeah, like the 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 whole thing with the draft, like it's it's uh, kind of encapsulated all of what's going on with Raw and SmackDown right now, and that's the fact that it's there's interesting things to it. Like the it's not the fault of the talent at all. It's not the fault of guys like Reigns or McIntyre who are doing great work. It's not the fault of guys like Ali who are doing who are great characters and great wrestlers that are saddled with shit. You know, it's not the fault of the women who are just you know completely. Not, I'm not going to say ignored, but it just doesn't matter. There's only four of them that matter, and the rest of them are just kind of bit players. Then it's not the fault of the tag teams because there's only two of them left. But Raw and SmackDown both, other than maybe a storyline or two, there's no reason to care about it there's no reason to be excited about anything they're doing right now because they're telling you as a viewer, they're telling you that we don't care either. What they're just, it's thoughtless. It really is thoughtless. And especially when you look at the first draft, the earliest draft, you know, the 2005 draft is another one that stands out to me. Mm -hmm. These like momentous, memorable drafts where they made big, bold, brave decisions and moves. And it wasn't, necessarily predictable necessarily planned and sometimes even the talent didn't know they were getting drafted how about now it just seems so like okay well i guess 
we'll shake things up a bit. And then they look at the logistics and they go, well, we really, man, we really just started the fucking whole drama between Murphy and, and, and we're going to do it between, and, yeah, we're going to do it between are involved in that. So I guess we've got to fucking bring them all over. We can't split up a feud because God forbid we actually end a feud on TV. And see, I would have done something clever. I would have said, okay, sure. Murphy's on SmackDown. Seth stand on Raw, or vice versa. Leave Murphy on Raw, and then Murphy starts claiming I'm the real Monday Night Messiah, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's this whole like, well, Seth's not here to defend that. And then one night, Seth comes and beats the shit out of him and leaves. I'd like to see it where since they're they've got Hell in a Cell coming up, it's kind of terrible timing to do the draft now because you're just pulled, you know, Seth off of or let's say uh, what's what's a feud that's getting broken up. Or a feud that's not really going to be able to continue. Um, and I guess they left McIntyre and Orton on the same show. They left everybody on the same show, so it doesn't really matter. But let's say you have Orton drafted to to SmackDown. So you have the draft where they get put on different shows, but they're still going to be fighting for the Raw main title at Hell in a Cell. Why don't you have them uh, a night, one Raw or one SmackDown, where you just say, okay, we're ending stuff here. Squash this shit now before everybody moves on. You have the blow off for all of your feuds, and then you move on to the next pay per view cycle. Start fresh, dude. I love that so much. But they won't do that kind of shit. I it it cracked me up that I saw a lot of people online commenting that when uh, when the new guy got drafted over to Raw, that oh man, maybe they're going to unify the tag titles. You know, which I've advocated for in the past. I want them to. However, will they? No. Fuck no. There's no reason for them to because they want to. They're they're obsessed with having the same belts on the on the same shows. You can't have tag too much on sameness in WWE, man. Yeah, and it's forever perpetuating sameness that's causing them to stagnate. Because now, in order for them to do viable things, they've got to find a way to either get out of these storylines quick, or if you're really intending on burning these candles till the end of the night, you've got to take some brave turns and start to do stuff with these stories that aren't just like these monotonous half steps. There's, there's something I realized last week um, and going into this, it really was kind of a, a progression of things um, watching the, and we'll get into AEW in a bit, but the Cody and, uh, and Mr. Brody fight and then the draft. And then I watched the collective stuff, which is all indie and Cody and Brody essentially ended their feud on a Wednesday night not at a pay-per-view. And it was a big deal. It felt like a big deal. And then you had uh, the indie stuff this weekend where there's not really much in the way of storylines going from one show to the next. You had the same guys, you know, guy like AJ Gray wrestled like 12 different times on the on the show or on the over the whole event. Just wrestled different people. There wasn't really any, any major storylines. There's a few little threads here and there, but there wasn't a whole lot of overarching anything throughout the weekend. It's just a lot of hay... We're indie wrestling, and we fucking missed you guys here. Well, it's not not even that. It's the idea of why is this so much more entertaining, whether it's this blow off of a feud or whether it's the, uh, you know, the one off or self contained stuff at the indies. Why is this so much more entertaining than WWE? And I realized that something that's endemic to the fifty two weeks a year national TV programming, and I'm afraid that AEW is going to fall into it eventually. I don't I don't think there's a way for them not to. It's that everything that you book is not in service to the match itself. Everything you book is in service to the feud. It's 
you're not like uh, take Friday night for example on SmackDown. You have Sasha Banks and Bailey are supposed to fight for the SmackDown Women's Title. It's a big deal. They hyped it up. They hyped it up. They hyped it up. But it lasted all five minutes before you get a DQ finish, and people online are pissed about it. And I'm going, why would you be pissed? You know for a fact they're going to have Hell in a Cell coming up in two weeks. This is obviously Shenanigan just City, man. Yeah, they, that's, it's all that's just all to set WWE up. Predicates on right. It's all just to set up the Hell in a Cell match. So the match itself, you can't get excited for it. Or if you do get excited for it, you feel like you're robbed. Everything that they book isn't done to make the match itself. Like, again, this isn't on the performers themselves because they go out of their way to make the matches as entertaining as they can. But the booking makes it so that you don't have a reason to care about that match because it doesn't matter. You, you know, why should I care man. about why should I care about Apollo Crews fighting the Hurt Business for the 75th time when I just know it's going to lead to another match next week? You know why? Why should I care about Bailey and I, why should I care about Bailey and Sasha in Hell in a Cell if I feel like it doesn't? It's not going to end there. You know why should I care about uh, Randy Orton and and Drew McIntyre in an ambulance match when I feel like it's just going to continue on to Hell in a Cell anyway? Nothing ever feels like it's done because it's just it's just in service to the next story to the next story to the next story. So all of your little matches in between are robbed of any efficacy or any any uh, emotion. And I don't... Uh, WWE's bad about their booking anyway, so I'm not going to say that it's just their creative doesn't know what they're doing. I think it's literally endemic of having to have that next show next week. It's having to have an angle coming out of the show. And that's why I say I'm afraid it's something that AEW's going to run into eventually. Obviously, obviously, they're just a year into their, their tenure, so they don't have everything burned through yet. But I'm wondering if that's just a, a, a symptom of being a 52 week show whereas you look at something like uh, indies where it doesn't matter what the next show is you might have something carry over you might have an angle at the end of the show uh, for example um, there was a random uh, IWTV title defense from Warhorse uh, versus uh, uh, Wentz of uh, the Rascals and after the match was over the belt was gone you couldn't figure out where the belt went people actually wondered if somebody had stolen it I think somebody actually posted a fake Craigslist ad for it afterwards. But the next day, there was uh, Gary J shows up, and he has the belt, and he makes a challenge for a war horse uh, for the next BLP show. That was the, that was the most storyline continuity that you had the rest of the week. That's the most like build-up for the next show that I can see. Everything else was just for the sake of the match you had. You had a reason to watch the match because it was just a match. It was something you looked forward to. It was something that you enjoyed because it was just a self-contained, this is great ring work, this is a great story. We don't have to worry about, you know, oh man, what's going to happen next? Because you're enjoying it in the moment. Oh, absolutely. And, and I tell you, no, man, like... It's almost impossible to enjoy WWE in the moment right now. To, to go back just a minute and discuss a little bit about the lack of decision-making that WWE makes and, and, mm. and, and missteps, I think they have really suffered great missteps thinking they always have to do everything at the pay-per-view. And let me explain by that. You said it best. You got the Sasha Bailey match for the title on SmackDown. It's a big to do. If they switch the title there, it's a thing. People talk about it. Absolutely. On Twitter, people are going nuts. Holy fuck. Can you believe they actually switched the title on a SmackDown on a right before the pay-per-view? Mm-hmm. Like they never would have done that. And then guess what you can do? It's a heater. To go into the fucking pay-per-view and you right. say, hey, Sasha is 
hot. She's on fire. And she just beat Bailey. And maybe there was just some shenanigans to her beating Bailey. Maybe she pulls the tights and gets a little tit for tat over her, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then that just increases. Okay, going to Hell in a Cell. Now they're are they gonna have a Hell in a Cell, those two? Yeah. Okay, so perfect. Fucking perfect to have Sasha go in as the champ. Now whether or not she retains or what what however you do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because the story is already great because she stole the belt, essentially. Well, here's, and here's the thing is that they didn't even announce the Hell in a Cell match until after that title match. So and see, that's dumb, put, too. Put the belt on Sasha and just leave it at that. Put the belt on Sasha and then draft Bailey over to Raw. Kill it, it dead. Freaked people out. Actually blow the, actually blow the feud. Like well, I, I've been, I, for the last couple of shows, I've talked about how much I didn't like that they were blowing this feud already with Sasha and Bailey, because I thought that was too soon. I thought it was a WrestleMania level, and I still do. But guess what? If you're gonna have the title match, if you're gonna, if you want to shock people, if you want to, if you're gonna blow the feud, blow it right, instead of just rushing it and having a hell in a cell match because that's the next pay per view you got coming up. Or like one of my favorite things they do, and I and, and I don't think they did it this year. There's none of that happening, as far as I know, in Hell in the Cell, where they would draft somebody who's in a title match, and it's essentially well, if they win the title, they'll stay on right. that show, right? And the other person will get drafted, but if they lose, they're going to the show. No, all and the that, all the uh, all the Hell in a Cell matches are between people who are still on the same shows. So see, it's just like there's there's no yeah. differential. There's no right. It's it's all sameness. WWE right. and their goddamn sameness and things will never change. Honestly, and like I, I should ugh. feel really excited about a Bailey Sasha Hell in a Cell match because it should be by all rights a really good match. But honestly, I don't care. Like I'm having a hard time finding a reason to care about it because, and again, not to the detriment of the performers, they did great. They've given me every reason that I should care about it, but I don't have any faith that it's going to matter. I feel like yeah, this you know isn't. I'm not going to pay it off right or do it justice. Well, I still feel like it's a WrestleMania. I think that's a WrestleMania main event they need to have, or not even a main event, but a WrestleMania caliber feud. So why are you blowing it here? So I don't feel like they're going to. I feel like there's going to be some kind of a shenanigan coming out of it where they're just going to extend the feud on. And it's going to be dumb. And by the time WrestleMania comes around, you're not going to care anymore. Um. The other two get, cell, the other two cell matches are Orton and McIntyre, because and then Reigns and well the rain the Reigns and Jey Uso one I am actually interested in. That's the one of the three that I am interested in because they're same. doing something different with it. Have you heard the stipulation on it? No, actually. Supposedly, there's going to be some sort of consequences for Jay if he loses. Those consequences have not been revealed yet. However, it's going to be an I Quit match inside Hell in a Cell. Ooh, that's kind of different, and I love it. Yeah, it's it's clever. It's something new, and I'm I'm here for it. I don't know how it'll play out. It could be really, really long. I mean, it, it also could, could it, be really uncomfortable, which I think they're gonna. I think that's what they're it. trying to do. They want it to be uncomfortable, and I'm I'm here for it, especially with the Reigns character they're playing right now. Exactly. So I mean, I'm here for it, but the rest of it, I don't care. I I just I I. I I've watched the show because I like the different characters and I like the performers. I have no reason to care about their booking. They've never, they have not given viewers a reason to care. No, um, not at all. Let me ask you this question. It's going to kind of be, I, I think, the right pivoting question because I believe that they wasted a pick in, on SmackDown. <laughs> and, think, and you know where I'm going with this, man. 
uh, is he a freak? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I, I um, want to throw out real I'm quick. Quite, quite concerned. When he showed up on SmackDown on Friday, I, I sent out a tweet because it cracked me up. It's uh, Michael Cole on commentary, and I swear to God, he said the words "the freak" something like eighty times. Oh, the, the freak, freak with the power slam! The freak, the freak. He's doing a freak accent with the freak and the freak and the freak with the freak and the freak, and it's just like, oh God, this is this is so forced. It's so bad. Um, and they changed his music, which was one of the only good things about him. Um, here, here's the thing, and I, somebody on uh, on Cage side this morning brought it up really well is that. No, the the case against Lars Sullivan is pretty visible. Like, there's a reason that people don't like him, and it's not heel work. It's not you know anything to do with being a wrestler. It comes from the fact that apparently the guy's just a shitty human being. He's a hypocritical um, scumbag. He's made some really uh, nasty comments online in his past, very homophobic things, and, and racist. Then it, and racist, and then it came out that he's done gay porn, so he came off as hypocritical and homophobic. And then he had to go to sensitivity training or something. He was gone for like a year. And he comes back and immediately, within 48 hours of him coming back, we get news There's of another him, controversy. You know, perving on a yoga instructor and like trying to solicit pics from her against her, like with her telling her no. And just coming off as a creep. So there's no, there's no like desire for anybody. No one wants him back right now. Like but you one look at person does, on Twitter, you look at commentary. That person has no one is excited. Say. No one's you know, batting down the hatches for Lars Sullivan coming back. But here's the fun thing to me is that supposedly, according to the uh, rumor mill on Cage Side this morning, is that there is like significant backstage heat on him. Like no one there in the locker room really likes him, but somebody who quote unquote has all the say is a fan of his. Now, Vince, that's pretty much saying the word Vince without saying the word Vince. But Clearly, what reason do you have for keeping him around? What does he offer you that somebody like Sheamus, Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee? What what does he offer you that those three don't? He reminds him of Gene Snitsky. <laughs> I mean, sure. I guess uh, the comment I liked was, uh, "What does he do that the others don't do?" And somebody comments back, "Well, we'll creep on yoga instructors." Clearly, clearly, <laughs> but, yeah. But or, or but the, you know the, you know and, and there's nothing wrong with this I don't even if it's the, the point a being career like, choice sex work is real work but gay porn he that, that's what he whatever. does that other people don't do well don't do gay porn and then make him homophobic comments that that's dumb on its face don't even do that. worse yeah but <clears throat> there is no conceivable reason for him to be here like he doesn't offer you anything different he doesn't offer you anything new other than the fact that he's big. He looks like a he looks like a skinned gorilla. So okay, great. You've got three or four other guys that can do the same thing he can without the headache. Why do you still have him? <clears throat> and why are you trotting him out like people are going to be excited for it when no one cares? Because right now Vince controls the crowd, man. He can make them do what he wants. Even if he wants them to boo, he gets to make them boo nicely. Right. Or you know pump in this is awesome chance that sound completely forced um yeah that was the that was a big head scratcher your big returns when were elias and and lars and i'm happy to see elias back he's cool whatever but yeah and then you keep somebody like lars and then supposedly andrade has no like 
he wasn't drafted. And apparently, uh, there was a, a comment I read on Twitter today from, uh, I guess, a backstage interviewer that said, when asked why uh, Andrade, Andrade didn't get picked or why there doesn't seem to be a plan for him, the comment back was literally, Vince doesn't give a shit about Andrade. End phrase. Wow. How do you have somebody that is that good in the ring? Sure, he can't cut a promo. That's why you had a manager with him. Oh, that's right. You took the manager away. Um, Like, how are you going to push a guy like Lars when you've got a guy like Andrade? I, that's, I mean, full question. How? How, how can Vince you do it? Because Vince is racist? I don't Did even I think he's allowed? racist. I don't even think it's racist. Vince just doesn't like the fact that he can't talk. Same reason Ricochet doesn't get a push. But it doesn't matter, man. There have been plenty of guys who cannot talk who have been given great pushes because they've been given you're a manager or a talking piece or a right. to push them forward. And I just don't understand why only the people who are of darker skin descent are not getting the same kind of opportunities because it seems pretty obvious to me, uh, especially I, I, when Laura Sullivan yeah. has said racist shit before. Yeah. I mean, there is you know, that. There's also the fact that um, other than Keith Lee – <clears throat> and really Bianca Belair um, on Raw, just using Raw as an example, all the black folks on Raw interacted with each other. No one else on the roster. Um, it just doesn't. I mean, think about it. Shit other than, the, stri- other than the street God profits. damn it. Uh, Keith Lee is in a singles feud with somebody else. That's fine. Has he Bianca- had a singles match yet that has comp- been completed with a one, two, three? <laughs> Uh, he beat Orton. I guess there's that. Everything I mean, that else has kind of cool. I'm props on him to beat. Yeah, the I mean there is that, That's but great. everything else he's had since has been a DQ finish, so it doesn't really matter. <coughs> but like, think about people of color on Raw. You got Keith Lee. You got Bianca Belair. You got the Street yeah, Profits. Yeah. Apollo. Ricochet. Uh, the Hurt Business, which is MVP Shelton Benjamin. Uh, Cedric Alexander and Bobby Lashley. Yep. And of those that I just mentioned, the only ones who are not involved in the same feud are Keith Lee and uh, Bianca Belair, and technically the Street Profits. Titus. They've, they've drifted in and out of it, but whatever. It's it's, and you can even look further. Look at uh, <clears throat> look over at SmackDown. Uh, the Lucha House Party. The only three uh, Hispanic people on the roster are all teamed together. What about Titus? Or NXT? Where is, he, is he? Is he a part of that Hurt Business feud? No, because he's barely ever on TV to begin with. Oh, fair enough. I think the only time, literally the only time I've seen Titus on WWE in the last like month, two months, uh, he had a bit showing on Raw Underground. That was about it. One night. Got his ass kicked. That was it. I think the only reason that Titus is still on the WWE roster is because he's a humanitarian like hell and they don't want to get rid of him. He does too much good shit outside of uh, the ring for them. And that's not a knock on him at all. The guy's a wonderful human being. He's a great brand ambassador for them. He's a great brand ambassador. He's a great human being, flat out. But they won't let go of him because he brings too much good notoriety to them. Um, but even looking down at NXT... Um, the only three Hispanic uh, people on the roster that we know of, at least, or that we've seen on the roster, are in a tag team, Legado del Fantasma. 
Like, they tend to do that. <laughs> um, Asuka and Kairi Sane. Let's tag the only two Japanese people together. Hmm. You know? Back uh, to my comment about racism.com? Well, I'm, I'm, I've been saying that the Tozawa Ninjas thing is low-key racist. I've said that for four or five months now. Because it is. Because <clears throat> it is, yeah. It's, uh, Raw is just a mess. Uh, it really is. Um, we're SmackDown, too, really. Main roster, WWE, is a mess. Um, NXT, they just had a takeover, so really there's not really much there. Nothing really new started yet. Um, they did sign a new class, which I am happy for. I'm happy to see they're getting a chance. I'm not really happy to see anybody get signed by WABU right now because I don't think it's going to matter for them. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to point out, uh, we mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago that uh, Evolve had been bought out by WWE. Yeah. Well, the uh, new class is very heavily weighted in Evolve superstars. I also um, heard one of the pe- people might be a scumbag. Is there any truth behind that? Um, not that I'm aware of, actually. Interesting. Um, no, not that I'm aware of. Uh, two or three of them I followed pretty closely, actually. Um, two of them, specifically, well, I'll just name off the class right now. Uh, the class is Josh Briggs, Brandy Lauren, Leon Ruff, Kurt Stallion, Anthony Green, Joe Gacy. Uh, there's also a uh, uh, amateur wrestler named Jacob Kaspar and a referee, Jake Clemens, who I'm not very familiar with either of those two. However, uh, both uh, Josh Briggs and Anthony Green have been on my list for someone to watch for a long time. I've just been waiting for a reason to use them on there. Josh nice. Briggs in particular, I think, has been earmarked for WWE for months, if not a year. He's the last, uh, I guess he's going to go down in history as the last uh, Evolve champion. Um, Didn't, uh, <laughs> just to do a little Twitter talk, did we get a little inter- interaction from Briggs? Uh, not that I'm aware of now. Oh, I thought <clears throat> there was a Josh of. that you got interaction from from the collective. Oh yeah, that's uh yeah, um from the north. Josh Alexander. Oh, from uh, from Impact, who was uh, terrifying. <laughs> I'm not gonna nice. lie. Uh, no, Josh Briggs is six uh, eight. He's a former Evolve guy, former uh, Beyond Wrestling, former Limitless Wrestling guy. Um. Notable for uh, about a year or so ago, a couple years ago, actually dislocated his hip in a match and had to take a significant time off. Uh, came back from it. He is a hell of a big man. He's like I think he's legitimately six eight. Um, but he's been on somebody to watch the radar for a while because he seemed destined for WWE the whole way through. Um, and again, uh, <clears throat> retro AG, the retrosexual Anthony Green. Another Beyond guy, another Limitless guy. He's done stuff with Evolve as well. Uh, Brandy Loren uh, has done work with Evolve. She's also known as being Joey Janela's girlfriend. Um, Joe Gacy is a former uh, CZW champion. Kurt Stallion's a really highly rated independent guy I'm not as familiar with. Uh, Leon Ruff, another Evolve guy who we've seen on NXT and on uh, Raw as uh, just a jobber before. Uh, he's a former Evolve Tag Team Champion with uh, AR Fox. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential in this class. And oh, yeah. assuming they all go through NXT, should be great for all of them until they go to WWE's main roster and it just hits a brick wall. But that's neither we'll here see, though, there. Because I think NXT definitely could use some extra depth and some extra help. They do. Um, 
especially with everything that's been going on, you know, with them to kind of lead pivot accidentally. But there is another headline from WWE where we've got a really crazy injury to talk about. Uh, you talking about Bauer? N- no. <clears throat> well, I know uh, Finn just had surgery on his jaw. I do know that. Okay, yeah. Um, definitely, that's like a thing, you know, surgery for the broken oh, jaw. For, oh, oh, uh, you're talking about Ridge Holland. Yes, I am, my friend. Yes, the the <laughs> freak. You want to talk about a freak accident, man. In the week uh, of terriblelegbreaks.com. God. Looking at you, Dak Prescott. I No, we're not looking at you, Dak Prescott. I don't we're want to look at We're not looking at you. That was fucking disgusting. That was the horrifying, yeah. But this also uh, was fucking disgusting This was almost as bad, yeah. Um, for those of you who missed it on the uh, last week on NXT, um, in uh, he had a match against uh, 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 Danny Burch. Yep. And after the match, uh, got into a little bit of a scrum with uh, Oni Lorcan. <clears throat> and with Ridge standing outside the ring, uh, Lorcan goes for a tope to the outside, or either a tope or a, uh, uh, a tope con hilo, one of the two. Anyway, a dive. And uh, Ridge catches him, which happens all the time. You know, it's not uncommon at all. But when he caught him, um, if I remember correctly, he dislocated and broke his left ankle, uh, dislocated his right uh, patella, and tore the patella tendon in his right knee. Just catastrophic on both sides. Um, And this comes right in the first show after he was the closing angle at TakeOver 31. So it could not happen at a worse time. They were getting ready to give him the big push. He was about to have the Adam Cole feud. Yeah, clearly. Or at least maybe feuding with Undisputed Era. You know, who knows what was going to come out of him. Right, so now we're just... We're kind of taking the back burner from, okay, let's see what he's doing, to let's just hope he can walk. Yeah, or hope he can so, ever possibly wrestle again. He was a very young, right. up-and-coming star right. who had a, a big, bright future in front of him. And right. this is one of those situations where I, you just and don't want to see it. it. It's up there with Sid Vicious leg break from... Yeah, it's, and it sucks because uh, like just like grotesqueness and just you, you just oh man, it, it, it sucks because I, it's coming right off right now. Try not to think about it. Right, <laughs> it's it's coming right off the heels of the Tegan Knox injuries. You're thinking, man, you hurt your knees like that. There's always a good chance that you're going to hurt it again in the future. You and know, again and again, knees and again. And joints are tricky things like that. Unfortunately, um, and yeah, that was kind of the big news coming out of NXT last week. And uh, again, Bauer just had surgery on a broken jaw. Um, so we're but not that's sure. That's not going to keep him off TV, do you think? He'll he'll find I don't a know. way. Uh, they haven't stripped him yet. Um, he ain't cutting a promo anytime soon. I'm guessing. That's for damn sure. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know what the plan is there. They haven't really talked about it yet. Supposedly, it's going to be a somebody quick you trust to work with Finn and have them be a temporary mouthpiece that Finn Maybe. can in turn feud with after he's healed. Maybe uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, I do want to pivot over to AEW. Um, not a ton of headlines from AEW. Uh, last week was the Jericho 30th anniversary. Uh, the big story coming out of it was Cody getting the AEW TNT title back. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Thanks so much, AEW's fucking Facebook, you pieces of shit. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know they spoiled it for you. I literally hadn't even had a chance to watch the event yet. And I was going to sit down after Ollie was asleep and, and put it on. And 
didn't get that opportunity to go in fresh with no idea what was going to happen and get the hype, I knew the finish of the match, which definitely changed my viewing of it, which definitely pissed me the off. The social media giveth, the social media taketh. Yes, they do. I, I do have to say it was a fun match. Uh, again, cool to see a blow-off, and you got to think they got some ratings out of the fact that they blew off the feud in, in a midweek show. But my question is, is are we ever going to see a title match or a big match out of Cody where he doesn't bleed? I don't think it's possible for him, man. He's he I, takes I think after he, dad I, too much. I'm sorry. He literally, every time he bleeds, he's paying homage to his father. Probably. You saw Dusty's forehead. No, I no, I completely agree with that. But it's, it's it cracks me up because like it's almost you get the impression that if you look at him, if you do it, you did a finger gun at Cody from twenty yards away, he'd start bleeding. So you're trying to figure out how these uh, really really lackadaisical shots that Orange could put on him is going to cause him to bleed. <laughs> I you know OC could kick him in the shins that little sloth style kick to the shins and Cody's head will explode. There you go. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he'll he'll look like the geyser of blood from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Just going to straight up in the air. <laughs> Deadly sloth style. Hey, uh, I got to say, uh, we're going to talk about the collective here in a little bit, uh, a little bit but uh, OC made a surprise return at uh, spring break this year. Oh, cool. What, yeah, we'll have nowhere. to dive into that for sure. But is there anything else AEW-related? Uh, we the only dish on really because I don't think only, so. I mean, I'm really excited to just quickly touch on the Cody winning the title back. I love that he won the title back because <clears throat> it does allow him to go back to doing the weekly challenges for the TNT title. And you know, Brody didn't have to take on that whole right. gimmick, quote unquote. Like I'm gonna do the same thing, and it got to allow him then to kind of let the title breathe while also putting. I'm still hoping another it ends. serious contender. I'm still great. hoping it ends with a bit of a heel turn for Cody. I want that if he's going to rock the dark hair and look like that, then I want him to be a heel. You know, but last week I me. said it was the darkest timeline, and <laughs> Cody literally came out and said, "No, it's not." Well, I no, I still think the darkest timeline is on Raw, where Lana is getting a title shot. But that's just me. Oh Jesus! Um, I I do want the other headline I have for AEW. Uh, we do have a new signing tentatively. Okay. Uh, Lee says she has been signed. Ooh. Um, she commented on that this morning. Uh, the only other headline I had for AEW was, uh, uh, quote-unquote, Jericho kills a clown. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fucking <clears throat> Judas effect on so, Clownico. Yeah. So, so brutal, dude. So Holy I'm going to give a word of warning, a little word of advice to the clown. Whoever you are. When you get hit over the head with the, uh, the the picture frame, sell that. Sell that you got hit with that. Because if you no-sell it, Jericho's going to make you sell the elbow. <laughs> and he oh did. Oh, my God, dude. You could, you could actually pinpoint the moment when his soul left his body. <laughs> it was so brutal. Like, I remember watching that and just like... When he hit him with the uh, hit him with the picture, I'm like, hey, uh, that's kind of funny. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> R.I.P. Clownico. Oh my God! Uh, I will uh, say also, there was I a, love the heel work with MJF and right. the teasing of him joining the inner circle or not. And there's a little subtle feud between him and Sammy Bruin, which yeah. I love. Um, it cracks me up because uh, Warlow actually sold the picture shot more than the clown did. Like he kind of like backed face. up, like oh shit, and then oh goddamn. Um, but that's really all I had for AEW. Um, I do want to jump into the collective stuff real quick. 
Yeah, um, man, please talk about it because, like I said, you were blowing up Twitter from Friday evening all the way through <laughs> I Sunday I said I was evening, going to, by God. To, I said I would, and I did. Um, you did, and you, you even had to take a little bit of a break because you tweeted so much you killed your phone. I did. <laughs> I didn't get to live tweet the Shimmer Show because of that. No, I um, I, I kind of screwed up. I should have taken Friday off. You never talking about this off the air. Um, did you just say your phone is sexist and took a break during the women's stuff? <laughs> Actually, uh, no. I just I laid on the couch and watched that one because I was my brain was turning to mush by that point. You were that like, was, oh my god, I've seen so that many was the four o'clock start on Sunday. So it was the like the third to last show. So much. <clears throat> so it started on Friday at noon. Um, we talked about this on the last show, but the collective was meant to be the original shows that were the indie shows surrounding WrestleMania weekend. They did them in Indianapolis this weekend, and they ran 12 different cards. And of those 12, I may be a bit of a masochist because between uh, the time that I got home at roughly 6 on uh, Friday <clears throat> and about 10 o'clock on Sunday, I watched not only SmackDown, but 8 of the collective cards. <laughs> So eight different Whoa. wrestling cards, nine if you want to count SmackDown, over the course of a three-day span. Uh, so close to maybe around 20 hours of wrestling in the pa- over the span of two and a half days. Averaging about three shows a day. Yep, three and a half roughly. Um, there's still four that I haven't gotten to see, obviously. I've watched eight out of the 12. Um, I did not get to see the uh, AIW, the Southern Impact, or Southern Impact Pro, <clears throat> or the... Uh, freelance show from Saturday night or the paradigm show from Sunday night. Mostly because those shows came out at midnight and I was already dead by that point. (laughs) But if you have a chance to go on fight TV uh, to watch any of it or some of it, all of it, I can't recommend it enough because it was a blast. It really was Um, kind of reaffirmed this weekend, reaffirmed why I enjoy indie wrestling as much as I do. And I, I referenced a little bit ago with the idea that they don't all, all their stories don't have to be in service to the feuds or things like that. They're just self-contained matches. <clears throat> but when you have so many different people and so many different matches, there's so much of whatever you want, whatever you like, you're going to be able to find it there. You like death matches? We have death matches. We had Matt uh, Bulldozer Matt Tremont's last GCW match before he retires in a war Ooh. with Alex Colon. You want uh, comedy wrestling? Uh, you had Danhausen matches. You had Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which was... Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. that Effie's match at the Big Gay Brunch involved Marco Stunt, involved a ball gag, involved a whip, uh, involved a... Uh, let's just call a spade a spade, a dildo that shot stuff into the air, uh, and a guy uh, dressed up as a sex doll. I also heard it involved, <laughs> if you correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm pretty sure that during the Effie match, it also involved a uh, confetti cannon that hit somebody square in the No, dick. that was uh, that was during the clusterfuck. I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Different show. And one of my oh, favorite my moments bad. of the weekend. We'll get there. Uh, oh, but yeah, the, you had comedy matches. You had great tag team matches. You had hardcore. You had great technical matches. You had comedy. You had everything. A couple rumbles, even. You had legends. Uh, I mentioned on the show last week, A.R. Fox fought... Uh, Two Cold Scorpio, and the match was a banger. Joey Janela fought uh, Ricky Morton, and the match was great. You have dream matches like ACH versus Leo Rush. You know, you have <clears throat> intergender stuff. Uh, Kylie Ray and uh, Josh Alexander had a great fight. You had Bloodsport, which is the no ropes, 
uh, crazy Kumite shit, which was awesome. Everything. You had uh, st- up-and-coming stars. You had great people coming back from the past. Everything about it was awesome. Everything about it was great. You had two wrestlers in Billy Starks and uh, Astro Boy who are 15 and 17, respectively, wrestling. You have Ricky Morton, who's in his 60s, wrestling. Damn, that spans mm-hmm. generations. No kidding. Um, you have guys like uh, AC, or not AC Mack, but AJ Gray, that had like six, seven, eight matches throughout the, throughout the weekend, and all of them were awesome. You know, a guy like Lee Moriarty, who really got to stake his uh, his claim on the field of being one of the next top pro wrestlers. You have guys like ACH are kind of making their triumphant return after almost retiring. Same for Leo Rush. Um, Inclusion-wise, you had the entire For the Culture show, which was entirety black culture. It was a, a black man's card, everybody on the show. And it was great. It was wonderful. Probably one of the best top-to-bottom cards they had. Um, Effie's Big Gay Brunch obviously was about inclusion. It was LGBTQ the whole way through. They had a rumble. It was the Twink Gauntlet. It was wonderful. Uh, the main event of that show was Cassandro, an Exotico legend. Legend from Mexico. One of the, like, if you know what Exotico is, they're the kind of, uh, um, how to put it in layman's terms, basically a cross-dressing wrestler. Uh, comedic Sweet. wrestlers from from Mexico. They have a long tradition of it. <clears throat> kind of androgynous or uh, uh, feminine men. And who is he fighting? Sonny Kiss. Amazing. It was an uh, it was an awesome match, but you have a passing of the torch. And it I'm, felt I'm really cool. I'm a big cool. Sonny Kiss fan. Right. Sonny Kiss had a couple good matches. Uh, it was it, the whole thing. <clears throat> I, I said off the air, I'm not going to dive deep into individual matches here. Uh, I'm gonna. I've got a hell of a chore coming up trying to distill all this down into uh, into the top ten at the end of the month. <clears throat> but I want to. I'm gonna list off a few of them that I really want to throw out there as matches that if you get a chance to watch, take a look at them. Um, obviously Moxley and Dickinson at Bloodsport was amazing. Uh, Killer Kelly, Allison K from Bloodsport. Um, Effie and Marco Stunt was funny as shit, worth watching. Uh, the North uh, versus Blake, uh, Blake Christian and Alex Zames, a hell of a match. Um, AJ Gray versus ACH was one of the hardest-hitting matches of the weekend. Uh, my personal favorite was Lee Moriarty and Jonathan Gresham. Uh, technical match, absolutely wonderful technical match. JTD, JTG and Trey Miguel had a f- great match. <clears throat> uh, AJ Gray and uh, Desmond Xavier uh, from the, from the uh, Rascals had a great match. The clusterfuck was fun as shit. Um, God, uh, what was the clusterfuck? <clears throat> the clusterfuck is the rumble from Janela Spring Break, uh, where the <laughs> the only rules it is a it's a rumble, so you have people just staggered entry, but the, you can lose by pinfall, submission, being thrown over the top rope, leaving the uh, leaving the building, or dying. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's the clusterfuck, and. Uh, you had guys, you had legitimate wrestlers. Um, you had guys like uh, 440, the heel faction um, based around Ricky Shane Page that is, are just douchebags. Uh, you had the Stunt Brothers turning on each other. The Invisible Man was in the match. Um, yeah, all kinds of fun shit. Uh, that was where uh, 
Frank the Clown came out, and um, there was a guy that was supposed to be shooting off a confetti cannon uh, to herald Frank the Clown's arrival and shot himself in the dick with it. <laughs> he had it upside down. It was great. <laughs> I think I've watched it probably Twitter twelve times, and I laughed so hard like, um, five times. I sent you the clip of uh, oh, Juicy. Uh, I can't think of his last name. A new guy I was not familiar with. A guy named Juicy, big old uh, Samoan guy trained under Bad Luck Fale and now trained under Rikishi. Um, showed up and Samoan dropped Jody Threat, and Samoan dropped her soul out. <laughs> Jesus, it was it was insane. horrifying. Um, Woo. Kevin Koo, um, one of my new favorite tag teams in Violence is Forever, Kevin Koo uh, shows up in a Super Dragon mask and does the Super Dragon uh, surfboard stomp to Alley Cat and probably robs her of three of her nine lives. Um, Alley Cat, who had a great match against... Uh, against <coughs> excuse me. Um, I lost my train of thought there. Had a great match at Effie's Big Gay Brunch as well against uh, Jamie Senegal. Um all in all, like, there's so many matches here, so many great things that I can't list all of them out. Like, I literally have 40 or 50 matches uh, here just from the last three weeks that I can suggest for top tens. I'm going to have to go back through and do a ton of them. And You're literally going to have to weed through them and yeah, decide like, uh, it's what gonna, makes it's gonna the kill cut me. and what doesn't. And I've still got another three weeks left, of the, or two weeks left this month. Um, I know, with, with some, some major events, I mean, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't, Although we're definitely talking about the collective now, just really quickly to mention that when this is dropping this Wednesday, the October fourteenth, tonight is the fucking one year anniversary of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. We have had one year of AEW Dynamite, and that's amazing. And I just want to say, like, congrats to the AEW crew and Absolutely. everything they're doing. Absolutely, nothing but love. But um, continue on with the collective, my friend. Well, actually, that was pretty much like I said. I didn't want to dive too deeply into collective. I will say, if you have a chance to go sit down and watch some of it, even if you watch one or two shows. Um, I would definitely call out uh, the For the Culture show is great, top to bottom. Um, the uh, Glory Pro Are You Wrestling Sun card was great. Um, the Janela Spring Break is probably one of the ones, if you don't watch any other shows, that's probably going to give you the best variety of things. Um, Janela Spring Break had the Clusterfuck match. It had the Ricky Morton match, obviously. That had uh, Gresham and... Uh, Lee Moriarty, which was a great technical match. Uh, that also had the uh, Matt Tremont's last GCW match, death match. So it's the best uh, like slice of a little bit of everything if you watch nice. the Spring Break show. So that would be the one I would probably call out to watch out of any of them that you only watch one. But you can't go wrong with all the other cards as well. Um, Bloodsport was amazing again. It's been great every time I've watched it. <clears throat> um I made the comment a couple times throughout the weekend that uh, Josh Alexander's chops are horrifying, and then later on, Josh Alexander's chops are still horrifying. And then I realized that he's going to fight David Davy Boy Smith Jr. in Bloodsport. Oh God, now I'm terrified. Who? <laughs> um, oh God. So, uh, speaking of Bloodsport, um, one other massive match. Uh, you have uh, God Filthy Tom Lawler, who I love dearly. Uh, came out to New Kids on the Block for one. <laughs> Hilarious. At Bloodsport. And then fought Homicide. Amazing. Holy yes. Shit. So this is, this is again, this is a no ropes, no rope breaks. Win is by submission or knockout only. So you think MMA guys are going to have a bit of an advantage. And literally it was uh, Lawler's MMA style versus Homicide's I'm a fuck you up style. <laughs> 
and that's all it was. It was a fight, and it was fun as shit to watch. Uh, there was one point where literally Homicide just starts stomping on Lawler's head, just unprotected stomping on his head. Damn. Dude, Filthy Tom Lawler was a great UFC fighter. and Dude, he's uh, an even know, better professional wrestler. I don't wrestler. know that he ever won a championship, and I don't know if he ever even challenged for a title. As, he was one of those underrated undercard guys that I always had my kind of my eye on. I love that he's doing something in, in the Filthy professional Filthy Tom Lawler world, is... He was always very entertaining. Everybody talks about how Matt, how Matt Riddle took from UFC to WWE or to pro wrestling. Tom Lawler did as good, if not better, and he's a much better character. Um, yes. Tom Lawler is somebody who absolutely should be on national TV every Wednesday night, but I don't think they could put him on national TV. <laughs> oh, I the don't dude, think so. This I is the guy who, um, to get heat while in the state of Texas, dry hump the, the Texas flag in the ring. <laughs> Tom Lawler comes out in tights that have pampers on the back and Durex condom sponsorship on the front. Dude gives no fucks. He's fearless. He fought. He fought Levi Everett, the, the the Amish Wolverine, and came out to Amish Paradise. The dude wears <laughs> the dude wears Daisy Duke tights. I love Tom. Yeah, Lawler. that Turbo Graps had the Daisy Duke. Yep, tights, he right? wore him again the other day. Filthy Tom Lawler oh, is a fucking gift to professional wrestling, and if he were to go on Wednesday nights, he'd have to be toned down way back, and I don't think that would do him any service. But. As good as he was in UFC, he is a much better professional wrestler. Quote me yeah, on that. I think so. I, I, I definitely agree <laughs> with you on that. My um, I do want to call it how cool it was to see that representation, uh, to see the Big Gay Brunch, to see the Further Culture Show, to see Shimmer, which was all women's wrestling. <clears throat> it was great. It was legitimately wonderful. Um, Did Kelly and Fiend Club wrestle? What's that? Did Kelly and Fiend Club wrestle? That name She's an I, Australian wrestler. I don't recall that name now. Okay. She <clears throat> she sometimes has wrestled for Shimmer and I only know her through and she was a fan of my band, obviously. Not that I'm aware and, of now. <clears throat> um I do want to point out if you want to talk Divas matches, uh <clears throat> the Further Culture show had a match between um Willow Nightingale, Faye Jackson, um I'm trying to think who the Willow Nightingale, Faye Jackson, uh oh, Marty Bell. <clears throat> and uh, Devon Monroe, who is a, uh, for lack of a better term, gay man that I, I did, transgender. So I, I believe he's transgender. He's either transgender or just uh, transsexual. I don't I don't remember honestly, but okay. still they treated it just like it was a women's match. It was wonderful. It was legitimately oh, yeah. fun. <clears throat> um, but really cool to see. Really cool to see the uh, the representation there. It was awesome. Wrestling is for everybody. Professional wrestling is for everybody, despite guys like Lars Sullivan. Absolutely Pro wrestling should Lars be fun Sullivan. for everybody. You should be able to enjoy the show no matter what you watch, no matter what you want, no matter who you are, no matter who you identify as. You should be able to enjoy it. You should be able to be a wrestler and be able to have your own art. And I don't know that you'll ever get to see it in WWE. I hope that you get to see that kind of thing in, in AEW. You know, for all their talk of representation, AEW doesn't have a whole lot yet. They're still young, so I'm willing to give them benefit of a doubt, but they haven't really done a ton yet. But indie wrestling absolutely far and away does, and that is really cool to see. So yes. support your local agree, indie man. wrestling. And representation <clears throat> is necessary um, because everyone 
can love professional wrestling. I've never been to a wrestling show where I've looked at somebody and be like, you can't be a wrestling fan because you're this. It, that doesn't matter. Or you can't so be a wrestler. So why can't the wrestlers be the exact same or treated that right. way? Right, absolutely. So, honestly, I got a lot of a lot of fun out of watching the Big Gay Brunch specifically for that. Um, and it makes me really happy to see that, that that kind of thing can go on and that people accept it. Um, I did throw out the comment that uh, the, uh, I, th- I can't remember what the name of the board was, but Indianapolis actually dubbed it professional or independent professional wrestling weekend in Indianapolis. I thought, huh, you probably would have never seen that under Pence. Ooh, but true. Just, I'm <laughs> happy to see it now. <clears throat> but yeah, I, all the way, all the way around. Cool. If you get a chance to watch any of the collective stuff, by all means do so. Oh, I'm, um, yes, I'm there for <laughs> it for sure. Um, and going from the, uh, all the booking that we've seen so far, I'm going to segue right over to uh, another bit of booking and uh, some booking that you've been working on. Yeah, man. If you guys have been following the show at all last season and now into this season, you know, last season when Buckles started the You Got the Book segment, I said, I would love to rebook Invasion. And, and I did that. And I and I said, here, here are some rules for me rebooking Invasion. I'm going to throw three things out the window. No more injuries. Uh, money doesn't matter. And everybody I want to work for the companies during the storyline will work for that company. There's there's no predication. It just free reign if everybody is on board to make wrestling the greatest moment in the history of sports entertainment. So I did Invasion. You know, it was really fun. I came out of Invasion going, fuck, I've got like 100 storyline ideas now. So I moved on and uh, a couple episodes after the Invasion rebooking, I rebooked the SummerSlam that followed. And in the rebooking of the SummerSlam that followed, we had a match that was very important. It was Ric Flair versus Vince McMahon because uh, Flair was revealed as the um, monetary proprietor who helped uh, WCW and ECW get bought out, uh, not by Vince, but rather by Flair as a secret benefactor to the McMahon uh, siblings. So... Flair won, and with winning that match against Vince, he gained control of the next pay-per-view, which is what we're going to be booking today. And I thought, Flair wins and says, fuck, we're not going to go do your pay-per-view next like it was scheduled. We're going to call it our pay-per-view. We're going to do what we want, which is a very WCW move. So I decided that we were going to go and bring back Road Wild. I thought it was also fairly... Um, poignant and timely that only a, a little bit over a month ago we had Sturgis, which was a humongous super spreader <laughs> event in the real current times of the world. Yep. Um, <clears throat> thanks a lot, Jericho. Sorry. <laughs> hey, can't, you got to call a spade a spade, man. He did it. <laughs> it, it is true. But anyways, so this is going to go on at least for my enjoyment and purposes, and if you guys hate it, just say the word and I'll stop. But I think that these um, are really fun because it kind of – allows you to imagine what could have been and the kind of things they could have done within, like, essentially, if no one gets injured, one calendar year could have been the single most insane moment in professional wrestling history. And uh, with that being said, if you don't mind, Buckles, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start uh, with the takeover of Road Wild. Absolutely. Go right ahead. All right. So, like I said, this being Road Wild, that meant that WCW kind of had the rules. They could play things to their advantage booking is done in a certain way anything that was booked went through quote unquote rick flair so he had the final say what kind of matches were and or weren't happening the opening match of the card is going to be the new radicals who have been and 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 until this point 
are the WWF champions of Chris Benoit, and I know that's a really touchy subject, but as far as wrestling is right. concerned, that's what we're doing here. And Dean Malenko, as the new Radicals, are in a, another title match where we're actually going to be crowning WCW Tag Champions again. The New Radicals versus the New Age Outlaws versus the Outsiders in a triple threat tag match. Uh, this match is officially the first match of any member of NWO being in the ring officially. So far to this point, they've only interfered in two matches. Something happening in Invasion, Big Show turning on Goldberg at SummerSlam. Okay. So that's the first matchup. Now our second match on the card, and I'll go back through really quickly and tell winners and stuff and kind of the, 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 the next steps. Uh, the next match on the card is the Intercontinental title match. And at SummerSlam, Ray Jr. won the IC title from Kane. So now Ray Jr. is going to defend against Chris Jericho. We know from the history books, Chris Jericho is one of the greatest Intercontinental champions of all time. Right. Stylistically, these two already match up amazingly, and they had banger matches in WCW. Give them a few more years of maturity, which is what we ended up seeing in WWE anyways once Ray came over. This is an amazing, I almost guarantee you they steal the show, Ray versus Jericho. You, now the next could, match, I could argue they're stealing the show right now, too, so I'm all for that. What's up? I said I could see them stealing the show today, too, so... Yes, absolutely, absolutely. The next match is again going to spawn from stuff that's that's kind of been the fallout of everything that's happened. And, you know, at the, at the SummerSlam pay-per-view, Christian fought RVD, and Sabu returned to help RVD win in this ECW Extreme Rules type match. This time, though, it's a tag match where Edge and Christian unite once again to take on RVD and Sabu in a Texas death match. Okay. And it spawns not because RVD and Sabu say that's what's going to happen, but because Edge and Christian, especially after how Christian performs at SummerSlam, still you know impressing really RVD that he lasted as long as he did. Um, he says, you know, you you can pick whatever the stipulation is, and Christian's kind of like hell bent on at this point proving he's the greatest hardcore wrestler of all time, even though he's clearly not. <laughs> Which is and he yeah, says true to character. We're going to do a Texas death match. It'll be the greatest thing ever. And Edge is not, you know, necessarily too sure. And we're going to get into what all that means in a little bit. Now, this next match is funny because the storyline set up, it's already been happening. Bret Hart faced off against uh, Kurt Angle at Invasion with HBK's help. Bret wins, which is this great travesty of, like, the guy that screwed Bret over just help him win. And then in at SummerSlam... It's HBK versus, you know, Kurt Angle in a in a 30-minute Ironman match. So what happens at this event is that Bret Hart comes out, who initially didn't have a match scheduled, and we're like, wonder what Bret's going to do because he's not even on the card. And he goes, Flair, get your ass out here right now. We're going to talk about something. Flair comes out and he goes, listen, there's a wrong that hasn't been righted since I was screwed in 97, and I'm here to fix it. So I want the man who did it to me to come out here right now. And I want to face Earl Hebner in a match. Oh, God. Oh, and God. And Flair's like, okay, <laughs> sure, let's do it. And it is literally, you know, well, you can en en envision what kind of happens. Um, again, following along with tradition, 
and uh, the way things were, uh, WCW is going to bring back another one of their titles and and have uh, you know a WWF guy and a WCW guy square off to determine who the United States champion is. And these are two big name guys, and you'll notice this matchup is a little future tripping because it's Triple H versus Sting. Ooh. All right. And at that time, not at WrestleMania 31 or whatever the fuck it was, which, you know, I digress. Now, to carry over back from the SummerSlam pay-per-view, what was that? No, no, I was just kind of clearing my throat. You're good. Oh, sure, no worries. Uh, Now, to continue back from the SummerSlam pay-per-view where Cactus Jack buried the American badass Undertaker who has not been seen on television or otherwise since, Jack's on a mission. And he goes, you know, I I did it. I finally beat my greatest foe, the Undertaker. And and now I'm going to destroy his brother too. And I'm going to do it how Undertaker would have done it. So Kane, you, me, Inferno match. <laughs> All right. And it's, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll talk about it really quickly. Eddie Guerrero is going to have birthday. a match. He was off the last Happy card. Birthday, Eddie. He... He's like, you know, you motherfuckers are overlooking me, and I can take on the greatest of all time in the eyes of the WWF. I want HBK. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sold they, there immediately. And they proceed to go to war. The next match will have lasting implications for upcoming events because the Dudleys are going to be taking on APA for the number one contendership of... Any tag title of their choosing. (laughs) All right. Meaning that at this point, they can either choose to take on the Outsiders, who have the WCW titles, or the New Radicals, who are technically the WWF tag champions. Okay. Very interesting predicament to be put in. Up next is uh, to kind of follow along from the last pay-per-view. You know, Kurt's kind of on this high. He had a great... Uh, fight and beat HBK and he is looking at people now back on the other side of the aisle and he's thinking about his time in WC or in ECW when they almost brought him in and there was the whole crucifixion thing that happened right. that turned him off right and he's he's like you know what my stomach has still never been settled for that and you know what's even crazier the guy who I faced in their debut match I want to rematch in so, Taz, huh. get your ass out here. <laughs> All right. We're going to have an I quit match. Oh, God. You want to be brutal? You want to go to the extreme? Did you see what I did to Shane McMahon at King of the Ring? <laughs> Literally pay-per-view just before Invasion? Did you okay. see how far I was willing to go with Shane McMahon? Do you think I care about you? And, it, and, and I digress. Now, here we are at the main event of the evening, and then I'm going to quickly go through the winners of these here events, and then we sure. can get out of here, Buckles. The main event of the night is a six-man match. It's 1v1v1v1v1v1 for the WCW title. The participants are current WCW champion Booker T, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bill Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page, and officially making his WWF return in a ring as a competitor for the first time since he left, Hulk Hogan. Oh, all right. Hollywood Hogan, but Hulk Hogan. Who will be accompanied 
by the show because he's no longer the big show. He's not the giant. He's just the show. Okay. And the show's got a chip on his shoulder because, like I said, Big Show turned and joined the NWO at the last pay-per-view. So he's just watching Hogan's back. Well, I mean, that's true to form. That's what Big Show does. <laughs> he turns. Elimination style. So as you're getting pinned, people are being removed from the match. We get down to Stone Cold, Hogan, and Goldberg. The Rock comes in to the ring, even though he's just been eliminated. Hits the rock bottom on Stone Cold, who's promptly pinned by Hogan. Okay? Okay. And you're down to Hogan and Goldberg, and you have this moment of Georgia Dome all over again. Right. Holy shit. This moment is real. This moment is huge. Stone Cold slides back into the ring, stuns Goldberg, points to Hogan and says, pin him. Oh, no. Hogan pins him. And they give Stone Cold an NWO shirt. Uh. <laughs> and we get, an, again, similar to what happened in the invasion where right. Austin or was the linchpin that turned. Yeah. But now he's really turning. He's turning <laughs> evil. Oh, God. He just joined the worst faction. You know? Right. It's so still- now, as of right now, this in this iteration of the books, you've got Hogan, Hall, Nash, The Show, and Stone Cold. Five insanely top-talented all Hall of Famers, except for Show, who will definitely be in the Hall of Famer. Show's a Hall of Famer. He will be. Uh, All still at their best, okay? And Danger's a Bruin. And what I'm going to tease for next time, and I'm going to get into, you know, because I just gave away the end of the match for the main event, so you guys know how that ends. Let's go back through the card. In the tag title match, the Outsiders win. Uh, there is shenanigans. The Rascals get kind of not necessarily eliminated from the equation, but they're not involved in the decision. And the Outlaws get pinned by the Outsiders. Jericho actually beats Mysterio. Okay. And that and everybody's like, whoa. Like, it didn't actually necessarily... Hey, that's the officially the first time I think that yeah. Abby has ever yeah, barked. I was gonna say my podcast. dog is trying to get herself involved in this now. That's she. She was not happy that Ray didn't go over in that match. <laughs> She's been asleep on the couch the whole time, but now apparently getting involved. Uh, that's all right. So in that Texas Death Match between Edge and Christian, RVD and Sabu, Edge and Christian are going to come out on top, and they are now claiming they're the greatest hardcore tag team in history. Trust me when I say that bites them later. Okay. Bret Hart kills Earl Hebner. Not even a contest. He literally puts him in the sharpshooter. Earl immediately taps. He holds it for five minutes until oh people pull him off. And you see that Bret is just ravenous. And who, right. who knows where he's going from here. In the Inferno match, Cactus Jack defeats and sets Kane on fire. Seemingly destroying Kane and removing him. So he's now defeated the Brothers of Destruction. Cactus Jack is on a tear. It's important again for later when we're booking down the road. Eddie Guerrero versus HBK going back through that one. HBK is going to get Eddie Guerrero in this one, but it's not the end of their feud. Not by a long shot, and I have long-term plans for that. The Dudleys will earn number one contendership against APA. Kurt Angle will lose to Taz in that I quit match. All right. Taz makes him literally go unconscious from the Taz mission. 
there's not he can't physically say I quit, but the ref has to call it. All so right. there's a little bit of question like, well, I didn't really say I quit, but I pretty much died. So what right. does that mean? Uh, and then, like I said, the main event Hogan wins with the help of Stone Cold, who turns on WWF and you know joins the NWO, who's its own faction not really within any of these companies. They're just kind of rogue operators. And now you see this really scary pattern where if Stone Cold is willing to turn his back, who else within the ranks could betray and become a member of this new NWO that's being formed? Okay. Um, and the next pay-per-view is the Unforgiven WO. An <laughs> Unforgiven WO. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm sold. <laughs> just for the name alone. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and then we'll have another pay-per-view, which will have its own implications. And then Survivor Series will happen. And right. that's got a little bit of a blow-off that I can't wait to talk about. But we're getting there through this long format telling of me rebooking month by month since the invasion. Now, Buckles, i got to ask, what are your thoughts on what I'm doing here, kind of? I like it. Uh, it's it's odd for me thinking of, of Austin in a faction. Just... I mean, it was odd to see him with the Alliance back in the day anyway. But seeing Austin with a faction alone is just strange. I love the Guerrero uh, HBK feud. That's a dream match, let alone dream feud. Uh, I'm here for Angle and Taz. That's a, that's a, a bit that really, when they did their, their original feud, the two of them, Angle really hadn't been wrestling that long. So he wasn't as, he wasn't the wrestler that we grew to know him as. So seeing the two of them at their peaks, you know, the best angle versus the best of Taz, here for it. Absolutely. Uh, all yeah. of it, man. I'm, real, I'm I'm sold on all of it. Cool. Well, like I said, the Unforgiven NWO will be the next pay-per-view. As it kind of alludes to, the NWO is going to be like, we have the championship now. We make kind the, of the rules, uh, motherfuckers. Kind of the, and it's going to start to create new problems. It's kind of like the re, re, uh, redone sold out in a way. Definitely. Now, here's something that, you know, we didn't talk about, but I definitely intended to do this, and I was waiting to drop this information. But if you were listening, the last time we did the books, right now our WWF champion is Stone Cold. Right. Who just betrayed WWF for the NWO. So now, and this is why it's important for me to bring that up, now you have the NWO who has co-equal branches of leadership in your WWF champion in Austin, your WCW champion in Hogan, who were the leaders in a lot of ways during the Monday Night Wars. Right. Who now can create explosiveness within and without their group, which is really what I'm excited to kind of toil and play with. Okay. And yes, to spoiler alert, Austin's going to put the title up at the next pay-per-view, and it's going to go in a way that I'm not thinking I'm excited for expect. it. Definitely was excited for it. I said I'm excited for it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, like I said, the You Got the Books thing, we'll just do this kind of interspersed randomly throughout this season. You know, every couple weeks here we'll do one. Buckles is definitely free to have the books anytime he wants. Uh, whatever angle he's feeling that he wants to book, I just uh, need to hear the word. And I'm going to keep... Uh, for now, on this train, and maybe later we'll divert and, you know, rebook like the, you know, I don't know. We'll figure it out. 
Um, I, I, did yeah, have, I, don't, I don't really think I have much else. Buckles, did you have anything else to I add? I did have one other headline. Um, sure. Uh, from the world of the indies. Uh, something I wanted to point out and I should have gotten to earlier. But uh, uh, as we were wrapping things up on Sunday night, you've heard me mention the name of uh, Eric Stevens before. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, most recently was the uh, Black Label Pro Champion. He'd been on Ring of Honor for a while. He had a career for a while, kind of took a, a few steps away from uh, wrestling, came back. Um, <clears throat> had a couple matches this weekend, and uh, Sunday night as uh, as uh, Bloodsport was kind of winding down, he sent out tweets as just letting you guys know this next match is my last wrestling match. I'm retiring after this. Whoa! Um, and you know, I, I I sent him a couple a message back and you know responded to it. So, you know, going out on your own terms, nothing wrong with that at all. But he made the comment. You know, he tore his, he tore his MCL. I think Friday. And wrestled on it for two days, which hardcore, good for you, man. But he's like, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I've got businesses I want to run. Like, I guess he has a baking business back home that he runs. He's got uh, kids, and says, you know, I missed my daughter's first soccer practice this weekend. I don't want that to happen again. I think my I'm ending my story on my terms this time. You know, I'm happy. I'm not leaving from a point of bitterness like I did last time. I'm leaving happy. I'm going to miss the people on the road, but this is the right thing for me to do. I love y'all. This is my this is my swan song. So, Damn. congratulations to Eric Stevens on a great career. A couple great careers. Influenced the business. Had a lot of great matches. Brought a lot of good things. I've seen him live a couple of times. <clears throat> you know, he was on MLW, so he got his TV runs. Ring of Honor the same way. Um, the guy got to help mentor a lot of folks. So, congratulations on a great career, cool career, great. Thank you for everything you've done for us. I, you know, don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but thank you for what you've done. Enjoy everything, enjoy retirement, and enjoy the life, man. Well, so, we'll definitely cool uh, we can definitely tag him when we share this on Twitter, sure. which we're going to be better about sharing on Twitter with all of our stuff. Uh, yeah, when I share that, when I, I usually post this. I'll post this the next day like I normally do on Twitter. I'll actually include the link this time. <laughs> not, not have to have you come on and throw the link on there like two hours after the fact. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I was trying to be mindful and helpful. Uh, You've got to work as a team. That's like when you do all your work, when you're doing all that live tweeting, people interacting. I'm going back through and like following a lot of those people to try to get us some more shit, you know, and get some more yep. followers back to <clears> us. Um Working as a team in a tandem, that's how we're going to operate at the highest functionality, especially with the amount of wrestling you get to watch as opposed to the amount of wrestling I don't Definitely. get to watch. It's just Definitely. like it seems like we're simpatico here, my friend. So, uh, again, shout out to Eric Stevens. It is a shame that his career is coming to an end, you know, but like you said, he has other endeavors and things that he's going to tend to, and well, it's mean, not like his like life said, is over. Just ending it on your own terms, you can't really say it's a shame. So, good yeah. on you, man. Hell yeah, man. Well, I think. That's going to do it for this week. As always, folks, you can check out Journey into Wrestling right here every week on Wednesday, journeyintocomics.com. Also, go to the different podcasting places, whether it's Apple Music, Podbean, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Subscribe to our feed. Give us five stars on the uh, Apple Music or wherever you're listening to this. Comment if you like what we're saying. Interact with us on Twitter at J-I-W on J-I-C. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Journey Into Wrestling, I do believe, or Journey That's Into right. Wrestling Podcast. <clears throat> One of those two, you'll find us pretty easy. Our logo is pretty 
pretty easy to spot there. Yep. J-I-W, you'll see it. And as, I've, as I always say, if you guys want to join in the conversation, feel free to, and I will happily chat up with you. Absolutely. He does a great job interacting with people and having really great, long, lengthy conversations on Twitter about the world of professional wrestling and all the things going on. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this week, Buckles. You got anything else to add? Uh, I think we're good. Well, I think that for this week of Journey into Wrestling, Season 5, Episode 2, gotta, The Wild gotta, Collective, I've been go. Nate. Been Buckles. And as always, we will see you guys later. Be safe. Be well. We'll check you guys out next week. Later.